Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, loves. Welcome to episode 16. If I think I want him back, why isn't he here? I think this was such a great question that a client of mine posed to me this past week. She has been navigating through healing her heartbreak. And, you know, as I always say, heartbreak is not a linear process. Some days you think, F that noise, thank God, dodged a bullet, the whole thing. And I think during this breakup for her, she really realized that this person has no coping skills. He could not move through a challenging situation with emotional maturity. And he really proved at the end, despite how much she cared about him, the way he broke up with her really showed her that this was not the man of her dreams. This was not someone who had the strong potential to be the kind of life partner she would require him to be because she is emotionally available and mature and doing the work on herself and requires her partner to step up in the same way that she also wants to step up. However, we are human and we often still long for the good. And that is what I like to describe as clean pain, missing that physical connection, missing the smell of his cologne, missing the familiarity, missing the check-ins, missing the good morning, the good nights, missing the how is your day, all of that. So normal, so painful, not easy, but par for the course when you are navigating through a heartbreak over someone who you didn't think you didn't want to be with. So I thought it was an excellent question when this past week she reached out and she was really having a moment where she was thinking she does want him back and maybe she could handle some of the things that she had said weren't really working for her. This is what is commonly known as bargaining when we are experiencing grief. Oh no, maybe like this pain of experiencing the loss isn't worth the pain of the dissatisfaction that I was feeling in the relationship. I'll put up with it. I'll put up with the crumbs that I was getting, right? And so we start to bargain with ourselves. Wait, I do really think that I could tolerate what I thought wasn't going to work. Any of that sound familiar to any of you out there? Oh, well, I'm not putting up with this. And when you start requiring something of someone else or asking your partner to move things in the direction that you would like to move them in. And when he decides that's too much for him to give, right, that then he decides to break it off. And then you think, wait, was I asking too much? Wait, I don't want to lose this person. We did have a great connection. It was enough. Maybe I can go back and say to him, actually, it is okay. Let's try to make this work. So normal, so common. You are not a crazy person. This is what makes this work so tricky to navigate through. This is what makes breakups and heartbreak 
the opposite of it being a black and white situation makes it very gray and very confusing and really invites us to mire ourselves and indulge in a lot of confusion. And then that confusion takes up all this brain space, preventing us from living our lives to the fullest in this present moment. And that's why I believe so strongly in my work. That's why I believe so strongly in my mission. As a coach, I really show my clients their minds and how they're saying one thing, but then they're saying the opposite thing the next day. And they're creating a lot of cognitive dissonance. The breakup happened. One day you think it's the best thing that happened for you. Good riddance. The next day you're saying, wait, no, I want him back. And really recognizing which is true for you. And this ties back into my first episode, All I Want is for Him to Come Back. And I highly recommend that you listen to that episode. (laughs) Many of my friends, actually, who, of course, are super supportive of this podcast, they heard the first episode and they keep saying that as, as I go further along, I'm definitely more myself in the later episodes. So I hope you will just take the content for what it is, but you're not getting full on Mary Claire Byrne in that first episode. I totally agree with them. However, I digress as usual. In my first episode, All I Want is for Him to Come Back, I run you through Brooke Castillo's thought model. When we're thinking that thought, All I Want is for Him to Come Back, we're creating so much pain because the circumstances that he's not here, he has left the building, and your thought is, I just want him back, I just want him back, I just want him back, right? And it's totally normal when we get the rug pulled from underneath us and the the person who is the object of our affection leaves us. But when we're arguing with reality, we suffer. Heyo to Byron Katie, my absolute favorite, who I always reference and I use that quote in pretty much every episode. When we're resisting the reality that he is gone and we're just longing for what isn't, that creates suffering for us. And so my client this past week, who was having a moment of longing for her ex back, despite really intellectually knowing that he did not match her on an an emotionally intellectual level. But she reached out and pretty much said the exact opposite of what she had said in our last session. And she said, you know, I really think that I could have put up with this stuff. I think that I was rushing things. I tend to control a lot. I tend to want to plan ahead and I want everyone to get on board with my plan. Like that is a flaw of mine and I need to work on that again doing a lot of bargaining, taking the responsibility so that she can justify figuring out a way to make it work because her heart is just longing for him back. Again, very normal, very understandable. And so she posed the question, if my thoughts create my results, then if I'm thinking I want him to come back, could I bring him back? And I know that that sounds crazy. She wasn't trying to say like, oh, I want to force this man to come back to me. But she was like, if my thoughts create my results and I do want him back, like, could my thoughts create that result? And I think that that's an excellent question. 100% our thoughts create our results. However, where I challenged her is, You think you want him back, but I have been working with you for five months and I for sure know the woman who you are and the man who is proven to be who he is. It doesn't match up. Sure, he's attractive and 
manly, manly, which is what she really loved about him. And he was present for the year that they were dating. And he talked about a future with her. He was all about it. But when push came to shove, he started reneging. He started shutting down. He started distancing himself. And so to her point, my thoughts created my results. Like I was rushing him. I was feeling anxious. I was thinking he was pulling back. I was fearing that he wasn't on the same timeline as me. And so as a result, he broke up with me, right? And she wasn't saying this to shame or blame herself. I I actually totally agree with her. She was thinking, hmm, something's not right. I'm not sure if he's going to get on board with me. And that's creating anxiety. And then whether he felt that energetically, and ultimately he did because he said, I just don't think I can give you what you want. And so it's best to part ways here. She, her thoughts created her results for sure. But this is where we trip up and often can shame and blame ourselves. Yes, after a year and she's in her early 40s and she wants to spend her life with her life partner and she had responsibilities that she needed to take care of and life changes that she needed to make that were important to her to factor him in. And so these were conversations, and I'm just going to say my opinion, whether it matters or not, because I really tried to keep a clean slate and not project my thoughts and opinions. But here we are. It's my podcast what she was asking of him was not was not crazy. And especially because right off the bat, he was all in giving her keys, the whole nine yards like this was happening. Future talk was happening. Ring on a finger was happening. All the things were going to be happening. And there was so much of it that came from him that she's literally like, I have this shit in writing. Right. Like she didn't make up that he was so serious and so into it. And then when she started being like, OK, like, let's start making steps. He panicked and freaked out. So yeah, she was sensing his distance that made her anxious. And ultimately the result was he bounced, right? So her thoughts created her results. However, my argument to that is the right person is going to say, hey, listen, I know that I signed up for this serious relationship with you and I want to spend a lifetime with you. This timing is freaking me out a little bit because he had his own stuff going on. Not, And I don't want to get into all the details. It doesn't really matter. But he did have his own stuff that he needed to take care of. And so all that it required was a mature adult conversation to say, I'm freaking out a little bit. I love you. I don't want to lose you. Let's figure out how we can communicate and make a plan that we're both comfortable with. I'm really feeling a lot of pressure from you. 100% my client, She, I, I know her well enough. She is an amazing human being, an understanding human being. And even though she has these agendas for her life in all areas of her life, she is an approachable, reasonable human being. They've never had any dramatic fights. They've never had anything crazy, confrontational or anything like that. She was not this unapproachable person. But so my point here is, sure, she had her own anxious thoughts and There was, you know, a shift happening in the relationship and ultimately it ended up resulting in him leaving. And that's not an opportunity to shame and blame her. Like, oh, if only I didn't care. She was being herself. She had been dating him for over a year. He was talking about future plans and she was like, okay, so let's start implementing them. And he freaked out. And then she was sensing the shift. And so there was this Yeah, this shift that was happening between them and therefore he leaves. And so it's 
natural for my client to say, oh my gosh, if only I had let him do him. And if only I had effectively communicated that like where we're at right now is okay for now. And I really would put up with that now. It's fine. Like I, I don't need all of that. You know, if I, I mean, things were good. We had a great relationship and I feel like what if I just let it continue, then we would still be together, right? Having those second guessing moments, those, those moments of bargaining where, oh, if only I should, I did this, it could still be that we're together. And so when she thinks that she wants him back and then as a result, he's not here, I challenged her with, you don't want him back. You think you want him back, but you don't. Because A, I know you well enough that this is not a man who the way it happened, it was just not a mature or respectful way to do it. And again, I know it's my thoughts, but she deserved a much better way of being broken up with. And she did not get that, which just proved even further that he was not... the words that just keep coming back, he was just not emotionally mature enough to have the difficult conversation. He wasn't emotionally mature enough to try to save what was seemed like an incredible relationship. And I think the conclusion that we've both come to now is that she didn't know a lot more that was going on in his life than what she thinks she maybe realized. But she didn't want him back because that is not the man that she wants to be with. So when she's thinking, I want him back, but the result is she doesn't have him back, it's because you're wrong. Sometimes the things we think we want isn't the thing we want. And I know that from personal experience, not with my rock bottom ex, but even as fucked up as that rock bottom ex relationship was, which inspired me to do what I do now, go back to episode five, my heartbreak story. If you don't know my personal story of what I have been through and led me to this point in time, which is a story that really sucked at the time. But now I can honestly say I am so grateful it happened. But I've had my heart broken in the last eight years, for sure, since that rock bottom breakup. And of course, it was not as bad as that breakup eight years ago, because my love for myself has certainly deepened between now and then. But that doesn't mean just because I'm a heartbreak coach now, I'm single, I will definitely, oh, whoa, Freudian slip, you guys. I was about to say, I'll definitely get my heart broken again. Well, for sure. I'm 38 years old. My heart's going to break in some capacity. I'm going to lose loved ones, my biggest fear of all. And I don't know. I don't know if the next man I end up with is going to be the love of my life or if I date a few more people who end up being objects of my affection, but they don't feel the same way. I don't know, but I know that I'm fully equipped to move through it. I'm fully equipped to put myself out there and be vulnerable and keep trying over and over and over again, because the result that I want is to share my life with someone for the long haul. And in order to create that result, I have to go into action from a a space of aligned thinking. And the aligned thinking is knowing the worthy partner that I am and trusting and believing that he's totally going to show up at the right time, right place, and actively put myself out there. As I said in a couple of um, episodes back, the title was How to Call Mr. Right In. I said, I know who, what most of you are probably thinking right now is who is this girl? She certainly doesn't have the authority on how to call Mr. Right in if she hasn't done it herself. But I fully own that this has just not been my focus. This podcast has been my focus. Building this business has been my focus and it's been amazing. But dating is still something that is somewhat of a priority right now. And I know, again, that my thoughts create my results, that I, my thinking has led me to currently being single and fully owning that without shaming myself. But I 
was thinking about someone who I dated two years ago. It was probably my last relationship that like really significantly meant something to me. And I was devastated when he broke up with me. There were so many great things about us, but there, it it certainly wasn't a perfect relationship. And he broke up with me and he literally said, this is way TMI. And my, I'm so glad that I am, have forbidden my parents to listen. Uh, He said I was the best sex and best communication he has ever had, but still something was missing for him. He's also someone who admittedly told me at 37 years old, he had broken up with every single person he had ever been with. I'm certainly not saying that he was totally the problem in the relationship. It always takes two. It was not a perfect relationship, but there were so many good things that I really wanted to fight for. And ultimately he decided that he didn't. And I was just so sad and it was not a fun breakup. And, but he showed his face and he showed up at the door and he definitely was a man about it, in my opinion, quite cold and had really flipped a switch from days before saying how much he wanted to fight for our relationship because we were experiencing some challenges. But one thing that really stuck with me when he broke up with me that night, he said, you know, I know that you're really hurting right now. And I also know that I think in a year from now, you're going to look back and you're going to say he was right. I just don't think that you're seeing how this just is not going to work out long term. I was so pissed. I was like, how dare you? You don't know what I want. I actually didn't say it like that. It was not a it was not a mean breakup by any means, but I was just like, don't tell me what I want. I know I want you. I know I want to fight for this relationship. I know that this is worth it. I you know, we hadn't dated long enough. I wasn't like, you are my husband and the father of my children. I know this. It wasn't that, but I definitely really valued the relationship and really valued the good that we had between us. And I really wanted to fight for it. And he was just like, I think you're going to realize a year from now. And I'm let me tell you guys, that relationship was hard for me to get over on multiple levels. And I was applying my tools and I was already doing this coaching work. So I was moving through it quite consciously, but it really took me, God, it must've taken me five or six months. And lo and behold, a year later, I bumped into him in a grocery store with who I believe was his new girlfriend and it was his birthday. And I was like, not sure if it was his birthday or not. And I, that day was just like, it it was around this time we had gone to Ojai the year before. And I was just reminiscing. And I, I really just like, because the cheesy dork that I am was like sending him just like a birthday prayer and like just being so grateful for that relationship and all that it had taught me. And it just like popped into my head and then boom, Bumped into him in the grocery store. Um, it was, of course, a little bit awkward, and I'm pretty sure he was with his girlfriend. And um, it was it was weird. But my point is, is that 100% he was right. When I saw him a year later, I mean, of course, it's like not fun bumping into your ex boyfriend and his new girlfriend when you had just like turned a corner on on getting over the person. But yeah, it just like all clicked, and it wasn't because of the way he behaved. He was nothing but lovely and polite, and I held my own as well and was kind too. Um, but, but it's just more that like you don't even need them to behave in a shitty way in order for you to realize, oh yeah, definitely not my guy. Or I'm I'm friends with a couple of exes. Oh my gosh, I really want to bring one of my exes on here. We, um, I just want to say you guys, it's 222 and I've been seeing 222 
everywhere. It's my lucky number. It's my dad's birthday, February 22nd, side note. So I just feel like some magic synchronicity is happening here. Anyway, an ex of mine from 10 years ago, prior to Rock Bottom X, is a dear friend of mine now. And we really, you know, check in with each other. And he's no longer on social media. And so he's like, I need my Claire, my Claire catch-ups. And we were deeply in love. We had such a toxic relationship, not in a mean way, but just we were toxic because we loved each other, but we just so had different ideas about how we wanted to be in a relationship. And I for sure had barely not even scratched the surface on doing any kind of emotional work or therapy on myself. So I was a nightmare of a person. And now looking back, it's like I was devastated when we finally did break up. There was lots of making up and breaking up. And I really want him to come on because we laughed so hard about our um, dramatic relationship. He's an actor too. So it was real dramatic. (laughs) But the point is like, I was so devastated. We kept making up and breaking up. And he finally was just like, we cannot do this anymore. I was devastated. And like, thank God he did. Thank God he met someone else, which I ultimately found out months later. And everybody apparently knew about it except for me. And I was extra devastated. Thank God he did. Because if he didn't meet that woman, we would have continued to have done the same toxic song and dance of making up and breaking up over and over and over again. And today I get to call him a dear friend and cheer him on. He's doing really well in his career and just catch up. And 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 I feel like anytime he calls or I call, we like immediately pick up the phone to say hi. And there's just this genuine love for each other that is not romantic love. It's just a soft spot for that time in our lives and to get to know someone that well and to fully know I don't want to be in a relationship. And that that is not a knock on him at all. That's not a knock on my other ex at all. It's just we're not all supposed to be right for each other. So if you're sitting here listening to this podcast and thinking, no, I do. I want to think him, think his way back to me. How do I get him back? There are coaches out there that teach you how to get him back. And I think that's total bullshit. I think circumstances happen. They leave, right? A person leaves you. Mr. Wrong leaves you. The reason why you know he's Mr. Wrong is because he is not here. So or if you don't want to call him that, call him your ex. My ex left me or John left me. That is a neutral circumstance. And if you are thinking, circle back to episode one, all I want is for him to come back. While he is not here, you are resisting reality. You're creating so much resistance and longing and pain and anxiety and fear and angst in your body. And then your action is to be so consumed with the thought that he isn't here. And then your result is, is that he's not coming back and you're living your life, wanting your life to be something that it isn't wanting him to be in a relationship when he isn't. So how do you want to think, feel, and behave about him leaving you? It's not easy stuff, but it is work that is required in order for you to move forward. Time and space. I just heard from an old client of mine. She was responding to Instagram stories I was doing. Follow me at at Claire, the heartbreak coach on Instagram. I just changed my Instagram handle. And she said, you know, time and space, it's not true. She went through a divorce years ago and she's still moving through court papers and different things like that. And and she still gets triggered by things and she needs to do the work because it's her thinking around it that is causing her pain. And she doesn't when we when we were coaching together, she said, well, I think it's just always going to be a painful subject. I'm like, that is a decision 
It is a decision to believe that that breakup will always be a painful story. My rock bottom situation. When people hear that story on my podcast or read it on my website, my my heartbreak story, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. When people read that, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. Oh my God, I'm so sorry, right? And I'm like, okay, it was a fucked up time and it was super painful and I would not want to experience that again, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And why do I think it's the best thing? Because I did a fuck ton of work around it and I committed to not letting that story dictate my victimhood. One of the biggest wins from this work is that when I date now, I don't think, oh no, is he going to fuck me over like that guy did? Hell no. That What happened with that guy when I was 30 years old had a lot to do with me just as much as it had to do with him. I had the lowest self-esteem, which is what attracted me to him. I was an empath with no tools on how to implement boundaries or listen to my gut or get really clear on what works and what doesn't work for me. And that is like a moth to a flame for a narcissistic sociopath. That That is like just golden prey for them to feed off off of and indulge in their power and get their sick high off of destroying women. (laughs) Um, And that is a textbook truth. And I will be diving more into what uh, the description of a narcissistic sociopath is based on all of my research and all of that. Of course, everyone has a little, uh, has different versions of the story, but Since I launched my story on poosh.com, Kourtney Kardashian's lifestyle site, I've heard from so many people who have said, oh my gosh, I feel like your story is eerily similar to mine as if like, what a coincidence. It's not a coincidence because narcissistic sociopathy is actually a real thing. And some people might think, oh, that's scary. It's an epidemic. People are out there doing this all the time. This is a personality disorder for sure. But then on the flip side of it, I felt so much relief when I realized, oh, wait, this is like actually a personality disorder. And I'm the textbook empath that he is drawn to. And I actually, now that I know, and I know that I'm not alone, oh, what relief. And 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 now I know how to clean up my shit and understand why I did what I did, understand what gla- gaslighting is. And not look at this as time wasted, but look at it as like a, an amazing experience that I could not put a price on that I finally now have learned how to navigate through. And I still attract narcissistic sociopaths. It's just that at Claire, the heartbreak coach knows exactly what to do with them when they when they appear. Uh, is anyone watching The Bachelorette right now? Oh, my God. Luke P. What? You could smell that a mile away on episode one. What? Day two? He was professing his love for her. Oh my God, that happened to me with my narcissistic ex. He professed his love for me like three weeks into our relationship. And I was like, oh my God, he loves me. So you think you want him back, but the result is he's not back. It's because you actually don't want him back. Your results are from your thinking. So if you're thinking you want him back and he's not here, it's because you don't want him back. That is the truth. When you argue with reality, you suffer. So the cognitive dissonance will keep happening. You long for him. You miss him. You miss the connection. You miss his presence. You miss the consistency of having someone to check in. And that's all clean pain. And it is your job to remind your brain that the shitty stuff, his emotional unavailability, his inability to have the hard conversations, his inability to show up, his inability to 
have his words line up with his actions. Those are the things that are so much more important because there is a man out there who you will be physically attracted to whose words will be in alignment with his actions. And I know many of you out there are saying, oh my God, I'm only attracted to dudes who fuck me over. I'm not attracted to the nice guy. That will just have to be another... A podcast episode because I, I've been there. I know what you mean, but you think that just because you're attracted to someone or the way you feel physically when you're around him and there's just this chemistry and the pheromones are undeniable between the two of you. That's great, but I'm going to offer what my therapist, Ashley Graber from LA, if you're interested and you think that therapy is the right healing modality, I will put her link in the show notes. She said that a spiritual teacher once told her, if you meet a guy and immediately he makes you want to drop your panties, I freaking hate the word panties, by the way, but there it is, run. There is a soul lesson there. And if you're just like innately drawn to this person, chances are you should run. (laughs) And that's going to be a whole other podcast episode because of course it's lovely to meet someone and feel attracted to them and feel a spark. And I'm all about feeling attracted, but I know like... Uh, there are a few people who I have dated that I haven't initially been attracted to, but I got to know their personality and fall really hard for them. And um, it is possible to stay open. And of course, there has to be something there. There has to be some kind of draw. But don't believe that just because this guy makes your panties want to drop that he's your guy. If he is not fundamentally showing up and delivering, or if he has just decided he doesn't want to be with you, 100% he's not your person. And does that fucking suck? It totally sucks. But what do you want to do about it? You get to grieve. You get to feel better one day and then you get to long for him again. And then you feel shitty again. And then you long for him again. And then eventually you get to say, I want to commit my brain to surrender to the reality that he is not here. And I don't know if he's going to come back, but right here, right now, he is not coming back. He is not my boyfriend. So how do I want to show up under that circumstance? Do I want to keep indulging a belief that I want him back when and, and continue to feel shitty? Or do I want to say, you know what? Maybe I don't want him back. Maybe I need to make a list of all the things that weren't working and remind myself of why it's actually the best thing ever that this person isn't here anymore. Because 100% that last guy from two years ago, like when I look back, oh my gosh, there were just so many things. It was the relationship was so much about him, his schedule, his needs, his desires, all the things. And I'm a giving person. Hello. I've just said I'm an empath, but it really was so much about him. And he even recognized it. He would say, you are so accommodating to me. I so appreciate it. And at the time he had a full-time job. I'm still building my business. I had my personal assistant job. And so I didn't have a lot going on. I was kind of directionless. I wasn't working with the amazing coaches I'm working with now. My business wasn't where it was now, which I think was a total turnoff to him because he was this Ivy League overachiever. And there were just some snide, passive-aggressive comments about me and my career and where I was at. So when he says that there was something missing for him, I'm pretty sure it was that. That was just um, clear to me that that was not someone he could bring home to mom and dad. So that is what it is. But like, I think of my own coach, Stacy, and her fiance. And when she was building her coaching coaching business, she was in this teeny apartment. And the running joke between them is now that they're living in this beautiful mansion in Louisville, her fiance says to her all the time, two spoons. 
because that's all she had in her apartment. And he would come over with takeout and she had two spoons. She had barely any pennies to rub together because she was putting all of her investment into her coaching business and building it. And she really didn't have much physically to show for, but he was so drawn to her by her drive and by her talent and by her passion for what she wanted to build. And she had a $100,000 goal and he looked at her kind of like, okay, that sounds nice. He was super supportive, but I mean, she's an, an extremely successful business coach now. And it isn't even about, oh, he needed to like 100% know that she was just going to be this multi-million dollar coach, but he saw her drive and he loved her for her and he supported her. So there are people out there who are going to love you exactly as you are and trust your journey and trust your path and be so proud to call you his. You don't need to change. You don't need to go back and say, oh, if only I did it this way. Or you don't need to figure out a way to be better now or shift your thinking in order to get him back. He did not fully show up for you as all of you. And I would just offer for you, make sure that when you are going out on dates, are you accepting the person for all of who he is with his flaws? Okay, so maybe his outfit's a little funky, but is there a connection there? Maybe he isn't as tall as what he said he was. And granted, hello, I am 5'8". Do not tell me that you're 5'10", and then you're actually 5'8", and then I'm wearing heels, and I'm like looking down on you. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's my one superficial deal breaker, you guys. That said, I did uh, last year date a guy who definitely was probably like an inch taller than me. And um, I was, I think the one gift I got from that is maybe I can date shorter guys, (laughs) but I digress again. Just make sure that when you're showing up and opening yourself up to the next guy that you are accepting him for all of him. There's another client who I have who has an amazing partner, but there are certain things that are challenging for her, that, um, certain things about him that are challenging for her. And so she really needs to shift her thinking around what she automatically perceives as flaws or potential deal breakers for the future that she wants. And I always invite her, are the are the best qualities about him worth keeping for the not so great qualities? And also the not so great qualities are just a result of your thinking. Can you sign up for all of him? This work is not easy. As I said, this work is not black and white, but you always have the power to choose how you want to feel, how you want to show up, how you want to surrender to what is. Thank you so much for listening, my loves. Upcoming episodes are going to include some conversations with my besties. We're going to start talking about dating, dating in LA specifically, hookups, all that jazz. So tell your friends, please rate the podcast especially if you want to rate it with five stars. Thank you. Um, Go to iTunes, How to Stop Wanting Him Back. I would love to hear your reviews. And if you have any questions or comments or uh, episode suggestions, please send them my way. I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm so grateful for all the new listeners. Until next time. Bye. My love. Are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.